Welcome to worship here at Trinity South Naperville, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. Our prayer is that you feel at home here, and we like to say two special words. In fact, if you're wearing a black t-shirt with Trinity South Naperville's logo on it, why don't you just stand up and show everybody the back of your shirt real quick, and can we say this together? One, two, three. Welcome home. We're in the fourth week of our series where we're talking about Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is this special prophet in the Old Testament. As V said just a couple of minutes ago, who's bringing to the attention of the people Israel. Israel, when you wander off from the God who made you and loves you, when you wander into the area of worship that has to do with foreign gods, gods that make you no promises like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can make, when you wander off and start to follow those other gods, start to give of yourselves and sacrifice even to the point of giving your children over to these foreign gods, then there's going to be tough times ahead for you. This was Ezekiel's very difficult job is to bring awareness of those tough times to Israel. And yet on the same token, on the other side of that same coin, the same coin that has the bad news, on the other side of that same coin is what? Good news. Good news that there is hope, that there is peace, that there is justice, and it all comes from God. So the hope is today to demonstrate in articulate fashion the style in which God brings us into his family, reclaims us, redeems us through the power of Jesus, and this through the story of the valley of dry bones. As V said a minute ago, Ezekiel has been seeing these visions, and he has this one particular vision where God brings him out into a battlefield. It's a, a valley in some translations of the scripture. It says valley. Actually, what that word means is plain. So it's like a flat battlefield area, and maybe it's in a valley surrounded by mountains, but it's flat. So in other words, Ezekiel can look out over the whole course of the battlefield and see what? Total annihilation. So he can see the vast uh, amount of destruction that took place that produced a valley or a plain of dry bones. He can see the picture and become overwhelmed by it. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel overwhelmed by a valley of dry bones in your life today? Do you look out over the landscape of life as the way it is right now and see no end to it? Do you see some function or some expression of death in it? Do you watch the news and see Marines die? Do you see people stuck? Do you see, see people struggling with a disease that we still have trouble getting a hold of and dying by the hundreds of thousands and feel the breadth of that and the weight of that on your shoulders? If you do, you're not alone. And yet on the same side of that coin where we find all that death and destruction, you turn it over to the other side. And church, what do you find? You find hope. And you find peace. You find a God who loves you and has not abandoned you. And a God who leads you into a valley of dry bones. It looks like it's overwhelmed by death. And yet there is still what? Peace, courage, and hope. So we see Ezekiel there facing this new vision. We see him looking out over the valley of dry bones. And as we just read a couple of minutes ago, I want to get into the nitty gritty of the way God wants to teach us this morning about how he saves and redeems us. And it has everything to do with bringing the dead back 
to life. Now check this scripture out. Then he, God, said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord, and what's the other word for Lord, church? Yahweh. This is the proper name of God. So we're going to use Yahweh instead of Lord. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, or spirit, the word also means, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So what I want to do today is demonstrate four ways in which God intends to bring the dead back to life. Maybe this will resonate with you. First of all, God intends for you to hear that even though you see a plain or a valley of death in front of you, that there is hope and there is life and there is peace. Secondly, God intends to breathe life into you. He intends to give you his very spirit so that the part of you that was dead in your trespasses and sins can come to life again. Thirdly, by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, your sins are covered. They are covered and atoned for, which means they are remitted. They are paid for. Jesus paid a price for your sins with his body and his blood. His heart, soul, strength, mind, and spirit went into the act of going to the cross. And as such, your sins are covered. They are atoned for now and forever. Not just when you feel like they are, church, but now and forever. And it's a fact. And then fourthly, so that you will know the God who loves you and who sacrificed his son for you and follows you and adores you and wants you and seeks you every single day so that you know this Yahweh, this sovereign one, the one who's represented by the Lord. Let's take them one at a time. If you're a follower of Jesus, and my hope is that this is a place where people who follow and believe in Jesus feel welcome and at home. And my hope and my deepest vision is that this is also a place where people who don't follow Jesus and who don't have a shred of faith in him will also find a home. And as such, they will be able to hear the things of God and how God does all the work of salvation and how God is the one who provides for us and speaks life into dead places. See, my hope is that Trinity South Naperville and all of our sites at Trinity are places where not only people who believe and follow Jesus and want to look, live, and love more like Jesus will come, but also people who want nothing to do with God will come and find a home and feel welcome and to hear the word of God and to hear that God loves them and wants them and has claimed them. We want folks not only to hear that message, but also to experience it. And so we know and understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the faith we have. We prove that in the scripture. The Spirit is the one who comes into you and gives you the ability to believe. Have you ever analyzed that before? Like go back in your own faith story and ask the question, when did I start believing? My friend, maybe it was the moment of your baptism. Maybe it was the moment that you heard the word of God preached clearly from the scripture and something changed in you. 
Maybe it was a conversation that you had with somebody over coffee. What was that defining moment where a switch got flipped and all of a sudden this Jesus became real? In that moment, the Holy Spirit gave you the ability to receive the faith. He believed through you in the sovereign God, in God, in the sovereign Lord, Yahweh, our God. He gave you that ability. And then he led you to an understanding that your sins are covered. And my friend, this is where the church, I believe, struggles the most. See, I think the church, even as followers of Jesus, still struggle with the idea that our sins are paid for. Why is that? Because there are times when we still choose our sin, yes, and fall into, into it. But there are more times when we fail to believe that God has already done what it takes to take care of our sin. And as such, that doesn't have a chance to fully manifest itself in the way we walk and live. See, when we're talking about looking, living, and loving more like Jesus, what we're not talking about doing is shutting our brains and our hearts off and just simply copying somebody because the church wants us to do it. But what we're looking at is a way to identify with Jesus and have him live his life through us. So that covering of sin is permanent. It is eternal. It is factual. And as we receive that news through the Holy Spirit and we understand that sin no longer covers us, but God's grace covers us, it gives us an ability to live a different kind of life. And in the living of that life, in the way that life presents itself, we also have the opportunity to know God. Now, that's a question for us today as well here in the church. Do we know the God who saved us, who gave us Jesus, and who works in us and loves us into action and into a different life every day? Do you feel like you know God? If someone asked you on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you know the God you claim to follow? What would your number be? Would it be a 2 where you were raised in the church and you know enough about the church to be dangerous? Would it be an 8 where maybe you're teaching Sunday school or Kid Street or Bible class somewhere? Would it be a 10 where maybe you've read the whole Bible in three different languages and can spout verses from memory, chapter and verse. Or like the most of the rest of us, maybe you're somewhere around that four to five range. I trust in Jesus, but man, I struggle to believe that my sin truly has been atoned for and covered. That's exactly where God wants us. But knowing him more every day, See, this was the objective of God working through Ezekiel. He wanted his people to know him. God, Yahweh, wants his people to know him. He wants his people to trust him, to believe in what he says and what he does. And when that happens, he works through you and changes your life. He changes not only the way you carry yourself, but the very way that you believe and trust in him as you walk in your average everyday life. 
Let's look back at this scripture again. Now that we've kind of pulled it apart. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Think about how important it is that the message that God loves you is told and heard. And this goes way back. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says. I will make breath enter you. So I'm going to bring my Holy Spirit to you. And the Spirit is going to fill you with life. And the Spirit's going to give you the ability to receive the things of God in faith. God is the one giving the Spirit. God is the one enabling your faith. You do not bear the burden of choice to decide. God has made the decision for you. He has chosen you. He's brought you into his family. And now you're simply on the receiving end of that. And when you receive that truth, that message, and you let it change you, it's because the spirit is at work in you. So let me ask you a question. Whether you're at a one or a 10, an 11 or a four, who is it at work in you? Is it you or is it the spirit? My friend, it's the spirit at work. That is your evidence. If you have an inkling of faith, or if you're willing to be around the things of faith, the Spirit is already at work in you. I will cover you with skin, just like the bones began to gather back together or rattle, come together and make a huge sound on that plane where they got together as skeletons you might see at Halloween time. And all of a sudden the gross stuff started happening, the tendons and the flesh and all the gnarly beating organs started to come in there and they were exposed in the sunshine and then God covered them. Let me ask you, have you ever been to surgery before? You ever been in the hospital and had surgery? Now, I've had a few. I'm not going to describe the graphic details for you, okay? We'll save that for another conversation. But I'll tell you this. You never feel more exposed than when you're on the table with that little sheet they call a gown. It's actually like a big tablecloth, you know, you're wearing where one end of it's open. You've never been more exposed than when they take that sheet off and they're getting ready to take you into surgery. But what about when they open you up? How about that kind of exposure? That is the ultimate, most vulnerable place. And sometimes it's really frightening. But healing occurs in those circumstances and sometimes. Sometimes healing occurs, sometimes it doesn't. When we are exposed and open, healing occurs. And so God does this on that tough side of the news, on that one side of the coin where we hear the bad news that we have sin in our life and sin runs us, that exposes us, it opens our hearts up and it leads us to a God who on the other side of the coin says, hey, guess what? Even though you're exposed and naked before me, I know you. I know every part of you. I know every thought, every word, every deed. I know every sin. I know every inclination. And yet at the same time, I've got you covered. You're covered in Christ. And the way that I know you, that intimacy with which I know you, I want you to know me too, says God. And so he bears himself to you in the person of Jesus, a package that your mind can comprehend. I don't know about you, but I cannot understand the vast amazing character of the living God, Yahweh. But Jesus helps. Because Jesus I can get. 
I can see Jesus at work. I can follow him. And he exposes me. He opens me up to that Lord, to that God, to that sovereign who wants to be at work in me. That's the thing for us today, my friends, is look, God wants to be known by you. He wants to be known by his first name, by you. Do you know someone unless you know their name? No. God wants you to know him by name. He wants you to be on a first name basis with him. Now we've talked in past weeks about how Israel was prophesied to and preached to about their hearts of stone. And God made a promise to Israel. He said, I'm going to take your heart of stone and I'm going to turn it into a heart of flesh. And what does that mean? It means that God intends to soften you up by giving you that bad news first and then giving you the good news second, turning that coin over and letting your heart and your life soften into him, letting you meld, merge into his family, into his peace, into his grace. And then he intends to set your heart on fire. He intends to light it with his spirit. He intends to turn it into a new thing. A thing by which he takes his good news and shares with others. Now you hear this, this message in the church all the time. You and God, yeah, and others, yes. You and God together, yes, and others, yes. My friends, these are not choices that we make. These are objectives of a living, holy, perfect, sovereign God who loves you and is at work in you. It's not that you are here and he is here and he's about to be at work in you. He's already at work in you and has been from the beginning. And he intends to light that heart in you on fire. Now, Jesus was talking with a bunch of religious leaders and they were called Sadducees. Now the scripture describes them in this way. The Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Now, what's the resurrection from the dead? Give me some feedback. What is that? It's where dead stuff does what? Comes back to life, right? That's the basic definition. So he's talking with Sadducees who don't believe in the resurrection, which is why they were sad, you see. You guys still laugh at that joke. Like, I've been telling that joke seriously for four years. It's awesome. I love it. I'm going to keep telling it as long as you laugh, okay? They were sad. They did not believe in the resurrection. So they posed a tricky question to Jesus and they said this, okay, this guy marries this woman and he dies. And back then, the way the rules worked, the brother of the man that she was married to had to take over and marry her in his stead. The hope was to produce children for the family so that the name would go on, right? But in the story, second guy dies. Third guy comes along. Apparently, this guy had a lot of brothers, right? Third guy comes along. He dies. Fourth one comes along. He keels over. Fifth one comes along. He's dead. Sixth one comes along. Seventh one comes along. What was she feeding them is my question. Seven of them come through the family. They all die. And the Sadducees, who did not believe in the resurrection, come to Jesus and ask him this question. So at the resurrection... Whose wife will she be? Trying to trap him in the human rules of a dead religion to expose him, to expose his unrighteousness. What does Jesus do? 
Jesus says, you are in error, my friend. You're mistaken. In the end of times, people will never marry nor be given in marriage. People will become like the angels, Jesus says. Now, we don't become angels. They are different creations of God. But he said we'll become like the angels. We're not going to be concerned about being married. He said the kingdom of God is not for the dead, but what, church? For the living. And then he says you're way, way off base. This religion is not about dead rules. It's not about you exposing the sin of others and hiding your own. It's not about following the rules of humans. It's not about living in a valley of dead religious dry bones that have no life and have no vital spirit of God pumping a heart of new faith in them. It's about trust in a living God. A God who lives with you and in you. Jesus says this when he miraculously reappears, resurrected from the dead. See, Jesus doesn't just teach about stuff. He demonstrates it. Jesus doesn't just teach that the dead rise. Jesus actually goes and does it. He dies and then what? Rises. He doesn't just show you that the valley of dry bones can come back together again as a vast army covered in skin and all their swords and shields and stuff too. Jesus says, look, this is a God who brings dead stuff back to life. Same God who calls Lazarus out of the tomb is the same God who went there himself. Dead. And yet then alive. Jesus says, peace, shalom, be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And look at this. He gave them the same spirit that poured into those bones in that valley on that plain. The same spirit that moves through you and has from the very first day of your faith. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. See, Jesus is saying this. He's using the currency of the flow of the Spirit in you to communicate one very key message. I want you to hear this. It is not you who removes your sin. Yeah, the bad news is you have sin in front of God. But it is not you who removes your sin. It is the God who comes and raises a helpless valley of dry bones to life. It's the same God who raises you to life. And with that spirit, he's sharing through you, in you and through you, the currency of your faith. What is that currency? It is the forgiveness of our sin and the freedom that it brings and the new life unshackled at heart, mind, soul, and strength that it brings. There's only one God who can do that. It's not Molech who wants your children. It's not Baal who wants you to sacrifice stuff to him. It's Yahweh. And there's only one. Israel, there's only one God. And his name is Yahweh. 
It's the same God who comes up to this valley of dry bones and says, live. (laughs) It's the same God who comes up to you and says, live. He's not asking you to choose to live. He's not asking you to clean up your sins so you can live. He sees you exposed like on the surgery table with all your guts hanging out and says, live. And then gives you the means of life, his very spirit. Disciples' eyes were opened once Jesus came back from the dead. They recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Jesus came and then he went. Like he was using the currency of the Holy Spirit to do miraculous things. He appeared and then disappeared. And they asked each other as they were walking along with Jesus, were not our hearts burning within us as he opened up and exposed the character of God in the scripture, showed us this God who loves us so much. This Jesus Did not our hearts burn within us? My friend, do you feel that in your life? Do you feel a heart beating in you that is alive? If you don't, you're in good company and you're not alone. We have a God who speaks to that heart right now and says, live not because you choose to or there's something you got to do, but because he's been going before you, planting the seeds of faith in you, preparing you to be called out of darkness and into light. He's been preparing you to leave the grave, to rise again, to be covered. And every day you live is one more little resurrection Every day you live, every day you get up, take your shower, brush your teeth, put on your clothes, whatever order of stuff you do it in, every day you get up, that is a resurrection under the power of Jesus. And every day you are a new creation, bones brought to life. Do you believe that? Man, even if you don't, God believes it demonstrates it, lives it, and will prove it to you. Give him the chance. Would you pray with me?